Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, people? Welcome to another edition of Unfiltered at the Believe Network. This officially go down as episode number 234. And a multiple-time guest on the program, now joining us for the first time as the bench coach of the New York Mets, my man Gibby, John Gibbons. I am. I was saying this to you before we just started. I was so pumped when I heard this news because obviously, personally, I've got ties to the Mets my whole life and have been so excited about this. I want to delve into all of it, but I got to I got to go with this. I always joke about Met legend John Gibbons every time I have you on this show. How cool is it to come full circle after your time with the organization as a player and now be a part of it again in this role? Hey, Case, well, first off, man, it's good to see you. I'm glad you had me back, man. It's one of my favorite spots right here. Uh, you know, it's like, the, it, you know, it's like I returned to the scene of the crime, you know? Yeah. You know I, I spent, yeah, I probably spent, you know, 20 years of my, you know, my life over there, you know, part as a, as a player and then in, in the coaching in the system. And I always, my goal, ultimate goal after I, my playing career was, you know, was over was, I want to get to the big leagues as a coach with New York Mets, you know, I just paid my dues in the minor leagues, never happened. Right. And then I end up leaving. I end up in the, in the, the blue Jays and, uh, and sure enough, you know, everything just kind of fell into place, you know, and, and, uh, it, it, it happened fast, but it's, I don't know if I want to say it's a dream come true, but it was kind of my ultimate goal, right. Is to get on the coaching staff there. And, um, you know, because I, I was there during, I guess they, they still call them the glory years. The last time they won it back in the mid-80s when the team was, teams were really, really good. So I'd love to be a part play. of it. All because of your oh, play. Oh, yeah, don't you forget it, brother. <laughs> don't worry about number of at-bats. Uh, hey, it doesn't <laughs> – Hey, 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 look, uh, I, there were, there were stabilizer. Some, there was a home run, uh, highlights circulating after this came out from like Met fans. And I'm like, I'm like, okay. All right, Gibby looking good. You didn't need to go to level Yellowstone. You can go right to the beach with the abs you were working at uh, at that point. I mean, in your former life, but it, I, I think this is so very cool. And I want to get into all of this and we'll delve deep into how it happened and, and what it means for you and some of your excitement. But as always, we're excited to say we're presented by our good friends at bet online. They are your number one source for your sports betting needs latest odds, lines, and matchup reports, baseball, basketball, football, boxing, UFC, golf, and more. They are the fastest and easiest way to get all your wagers, live betting, casino, and card games. They're all available right now, right from your phone. So get over to the website, mobile device, join right now, and get in all the action. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE. It's B-L-E-A-V. Get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It is bet online where the game starts. So let me start with, with this part. You're doing the Gibby Show and you're enjoying your time with the family. And how does this process begin where this becomes a possibility for you to join the Mets? Well, Casey, I mean, it, it was kind of funny how it all happened and it happened fast. Yeah. You know, I've obviously followed baseball, you know, I've been in baseball my whole life and, you know, even doing our show, you know, you stay in tune with the you know, transactions and all that. And naturally being an ex-manager, and I'd had a, in my dream to get back and become a manager again, you know, but that, you know, that was kind of slowly fading. Uh, and so, you know, I started, I keep, I was tracking who was getting what jobs, this and that. And then when I saw the Mets hired uh, Carlos Mendoza, you know, from the Yankees, I, I, I didn't know him, but I knew of him. I think his first year as a bench coach in, in New York was when I was my last year managing in Toronto. And, uh, but it did it. The, the, the thought entered my mind. I said, you know what? Maybe since he's doing it for the first time in New York, maybe they'll look for somebody with an experience as a bench coach, right? And, you know, and after Buck left. And, and, um, 
but I didn't give it any more thought than that, you know, and uh, didn't make any calls or anything. And sure enough, when my old bench coach, DeMarlo Hale, called me one day and said, hey, uh, you know, he knew Carlos. He said, you know, I would like can I pass on your name, give me your number. I said, sure, I love it, you know. And then another, you know, a couple other coaches, same thing. That's how it started. So I talked to Carlos. I was very impressed, you know, a good guy, a good baseball guy. You know, if you work for the Yankees, you know, I mean, they're top notch, obviously. Uh, you got to know what you're doing, right, in that position. So the, right away, I, I, I knew, you know, he's, he's got it. You know, he's, he's a sharp dude. And then, uh, I mean, then we kind of hit it off, you know. You, you know how you talk to people and, and you can tell whether you like somebody or not. You know, may not dislike them, but it's kind of, eh, you know. But, yeah, I mean, we hit it off pretty good. And then next thing you know, you know, I mean, things developed a little bit. And I talked to, you know, David Stearns, the new president over there, and then a couple other guys. And sure enough, they selected me. And, and uh, you, know, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I, you know, I think I can help him. You know, uh, that, that'll be my job to, you know, to, all, all managers are different. You know, some want more stuff from the bench coach and others. You know, it all depends. That's kind of we got to develop that. You know, um, but we'll see. But it's it. Uh, I'm I'm excited to get back. You know, I spent a lot of years over there. You know, and I'd uh, love to be part of a resurgence. You know. Yeah, I was going to ask you because I want to delve into a number of things that you just said. But let me let me start with the relationship between a bench coach and a manager. Take us inside. What what. Clearly, there's got to be a huge element of trust, but what is the role the way you see it of a bench coach? When you were a manager, what was the role of your bench coaches, and, and how do you see kind of what the role is for those who are sitting, fans who are watching or listening? What's the role of a bench coach at the major league level? Yeah, you know, you know, Casey, I mean, it's and it's different for everybody because, you know, I, I had a couple of different bench coaches. Then I, uh, after I got fired the first time in Toronto, I went to Kansas City and worked for two managers over there as a bench coach, Trey Hillman and then Ned Jones came in. And so, I mean, it really depends on the manager and what he wants. You know, uh, you know, being an ex-catcher, you know, I've always felt like I understood pitching. You know, I could recognize pitching, and, and uh, that was my, always my strength. And so, uh, you know, I, I kind of just focused on that. I would spend a lot of time with the pitching coach, bouncing things off, and occasionally talk to the, the bench coach, right? In the in the the bench coach, he would he would take out. You know, we get blinders on, right? As, you, as you're a manager, you're watching the game. You're really locked in on the mound, and you know what your next moves are. The bench coach kind of keeps everything together. You know, it reminds you of different things. Okay, this is this may happen. This is coming up or in this inning, so and so. You know, we we pinch it here. You know, they they got so and so going. Those kind of things. You know, pinch run and pinch pinch defense. You know, when you get a lead, those kind of things. Defense and you know all that stuff. No doubles, all that stuff. Because, you know, manager, you really, look, you know, at least I was anyway. I can only speak for myself. But then, uh, you know, like when I went over to Kansas City, my first job was with Trey Hillman, and we were old friends. And we talked a little bit more, uh, you know, about things. You know, he, he was the first time doing it. Then Ned Jost replaced him. And Ned had been doing it, and Ned knew what was going on, another ex-catcher. So there was very little of that, you know, other than just I, I'd take care of the peripheral stuff. And then, uh, so that, it really all depends on what that guy wants, you know, um, what, in this case, what Carlos wants and, and, uh, it'll be, we'll, it'll be a feeling out process. Uh, you know, I expect we'll, we'll talk a lot about the pitching situations, what's going on. And you know what, I will say this nowadays with analytics being so prevalent in the game and, and, uh, it can be a little bit overwhelming. Uh, a big part of the, uh, bench coach job is, you know, you got to decipher some of those numbers, you know, I mean, everybody knows them going into the game, but, you still reassurance, you know, as that game's moving along, you know, okay, you, you know how it is, man. We get a little crazy, right? And uh, not you, I never. So, you know, me, I can't, uh, even, not, not you. 
<laughs> ain't smart enough to get crazy. Man. Oh, come on, man. Eccentric. I like it. It's eccentric. Not yeah. Well, I, hey, look, that works for anything. Uh, you, you mentioned Mendoza and talking to Carlos for the first time. You know, and I think this is a huge advantage that you bring to this is you understand what it takes to win in New York and what it is like to be in that cauldron. Now, he comes from a different place because he's already done this with the Yankees. How much does it benefit him rather than just being, even if he was a guy, Gibby, let's say, who was qualified but was a bench coach somewhere else, Milwaukee, anywhere you want to name that's, let's say, a mid-level market. How much better suited and ready is he having seen already what that gauntlet is of the New York media and now coming over just cross town and becoming a manager for the first time with the Mets? Oh, I think it's huge for him. You know what I mean? Like, there's no... There's no place like you know the Big Apple, right? And it is really, in a lot of ways, his number one job, or at least up to one A anyway, is going to be dealing with the media every day, you know, two or three times. And in the, I mean, that could be overwhelming in a town like that, you know. Um, you know, expecting because they're always competing. You know, it's you know he's competing against his old team, the Yankees. You know how that works up there. And uh, and he's 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 the spokesman for the team. He's he's going to be on the you know the picture all the time front page stuff so yeah that's going to be and that that could be overwhelming i assume you know he did it as a bench coach but now he's going to get a you know full metal jacket you know uh and and uh so but you know what he's seen it he's witnessed it and that's got to make it easier on him and he's he's very he's very intelligent guy he's very well spoken um so i think he'll be really good at it did you i know you talk about no talking to david stearns let's start there what was your impression of him Again, just just like Carla, very very impressed. You know, a sharp guy. Uh, you know, obviously he came with a uh, the great reputation. You know, they were talking about him. You know, taking over that spot. You know, a couple of years ago, and uh, you know he's got success. You know, he 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 a lot of success on unlimited uh, resources, right? So so he understands how to do that. Now now he's in a position. You know, he's got the uh, you know the 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 wealthiest owner in the game that wants to win. Man, that's big. And uh, so he's got he's got a little more. He's got some more toys to play with. He, he, right? I mean, it's a kid in a candy store, I mean, for him. I mean, you know, oh, between oh, yeah. Yeah, Craig Council gets $40 million and, and goes to the Cubs, and David Stearns gets to now run a Mets with Steve Cohen. Did you talk to, to Cohen at all during this process? No, no, I haven't spoken with him. Oh, you know, I, okay. I look forward to meeting him, you know, because, you know, everything I heard, everybody says, everybody loves him. And, and you know, you can... You can't say anything good about anybody, somebody, you know, if, if all they want to do is win. You know, that's, that's the whole idea of this... Uh, project anyway you know and and uh you know I, what i think if, the things i understand and i've, I've kind of witnessed uh you know he's big on the history of the team you know because it, it retired i think strawberry Gooden's number this year and he'd done some others in the past and keith hernandez i think last year i think that's important you know so yeah he, he identified he's a met you know um and, and uh i think that's important that you, you cling to your history a little bit did when you looked at the opportunity to become a bench coach Clearly, and I don't think this is, you know, I, you know, I don't think this is necessarily a secret that anybody who's ever managed and managed at a high level wants to manage again at some point. The bench coach spot, not necessarily here in New York, but anywhere is that, hey, I'm still in the mix. You can kind of feel it out. And if you'd like to manage again and that continues to be a thing, this may enable you to go and do that. How much of the thought process was that in for you? that this gives you an opportunity should you decide that it's the right thing for you in the future, Gibby, that you can take another job and maybe manage again at the big league level. 
You know, Case, really, that's, that's not even really a part of it. You know, I want I want to get back in the game because I miss the competition. But I got to tell you what, you know, the the, uh, the pressures of the game and, and, and a lot of the BS that goes with it, I have not missed that at all, right? And, uh, you know, there's still big pressure on me to perform and, and help Carlos, you know, get, get – but uh, not kind of, it's not the kind of pressure he's feeling, you know. He's gonna he's gonna feel. Um, so I, you know, I'll I'll go in there and do my my job, and I kind of keep things, uh, you know, uh, steady form and and uh, help him out. And you know, who knows what happens down the road? I am getting a little bit older, but hey, I've always been pretty good at doing nothing. Now I tell you that. <laughs> so, so 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 and you know, sitting behind that microphone once a week, which I was doing on the podcast, you know, wasn't too bad either, you know. No, it's not bad. And you know, but but I think the but two you things do it go every to, day, don't you? Well, yeah, well, the two things go together though. Yeah, but I I can't I I mean, look, um, you know, helping coach my my son or sitting there and managing through a television, one thing. I'm not bench coaching or managing at any time, but I do think that one thing that you were doing when doing this side of it that shows off the skills that are certainly part of why you're getting this job and why you were the manager that you were is that you relate to people. And you've got a great way about you. Look, I, I say eccentric. I mean, you're nuts in, in a lovable way. I mean, for sure. But you disarm yeah. people. Well, yeah, but you disarm people in a way, Gibby, that that in knowing you over the years, and I think that this is how you've always resonated with players, they feel comfortable. They can go into your office. They can talk to you. That's an important part of a bench coach. Sometimes it's not going to be the manager to be able to have that kind of relationship. How much are you looking forward to that again? How much did you miss the relationships with players that you had built over the years? And how much are you looking forward giving you to that aspect of it now with these new players you'll be with for the first time? Yeah, well, you know, like I said, I miss the competition, but I miss the clubhouse. You know, I miss the boys. You know, you, you know, you go off to spring training in February and you're with them for what, eight straight months. You know, and and uh, you know, I've been in some of their shoes, not as successful, but I I love the life, right? And I and I, I miss the 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 joke telling, the BS going that goes on in the clubhouse. You know, and then of course the competition when the game starts. So so yeah, and you know, is is a, uh, you know, the manager's got it it's a different role than his coaches, right? I mean, the manager's got to keep that fine line. You know, he, he can, he, he helps if you get along with him, but you don't necessarily always have to, but he, he's making decisions on careers and playing time, all that stuff. Right. Where the coaches can kind of a lot of times put out some fires and they can, they can almost get a little bit closer to some of the, you know, the players and, and the manager really can. But I do think it's important, you know, that uh, you have fun with these guys, you know, because it's a, uh, it's such a stressful, you know, high pressure environment, you know, uh, that, that, uh, you know, that, that, I think that helps kind of brings everybody together and it kind of lights some things up and, you know, guys play better when there was, you know, guys, Hey, teams, players always take on the personality of their manager. They really, they really do. And, uh, and, and the coaching staff, you know, and, and so, Hey, we're here to have fun. You know, you're always better when you're having fun doing something. Right. So I look forward to that. Cause I, I really miss that. Yeah, it's the biggest thing I hear over the last 20 years from players when they talk about any great manager or coach, depending upon the sport, is the balance, if you will, that they present of, I don't know if he thinks that we're in turmoil and we lost eight in a row or if that we're the greatest team in the world, we won eight in a row because that guy is always there every day, ready, willing to work, getting at it doing the things he needs to do. And because of that, the players then, right, don't internalize all of that pressure that playing in New York brings, and especially if you're struggling and things of that nature. How much of that is more important even in New York? I mean, I, I referenced your 
your playing career, and I'm not going to put the legendary playing career in quotes because it was legendary because it, it is to me, and that's all that matters in terms of your Met career <laughs> my own as a player and in your <laughs> own mind. But you you got to be a part of and understand as a player what playing in New York is like. You got to understand as a player what it's it's like to be in front of a fan base and a media that is a little bit different, right, than everywhere else. How much does that prepare you to then communicate with these players? Because you've seen it. I mean, I think it's a different element. E even in your short time there as a player, you obviously manage against the Yankees forever. But talk about what you noticed playing for a team in New York that's different from everywhere else that you've seen in the league. Well, Case, you know, I think number one, hey, they, they don't let you up there. You know, you'd be looking for some peace and quiet. You're not going to get a whole lot of it in that town, right? Now, now, if, when things are going good, the teams play well. There's, there's nothing better, but we, it, it can flip and, and turn in just the opposite when things go south, right? Um, and so, you just got to understand. That's why I think it's important everybody stay steady, you know, because you're going to go through the ups and downs, and uh, you know. But it's a good team, you know. I mean, two years ago they won 100 games, right? Went over 100 games, and then last year it was one of those years things things didn't work out, right? Uh, so there's a lot of talent there, which is a good thing. It's not like you're you know, going to work for a team that's, you know, you, you know, you got no shot. Right. But there, there is, you know, New York is so different. Uh, I can remember my first, you know, when I, I showed up there, I was young, I was 21, but I, I hadn't been to New York, especially in the athletic world anyway. I don't even know if I'd ever been there, but I thought, cause I'd seen the movie escape from New York when I was a kid. <laughs> I, was going, I said, damn, this is just like that, man. I'm <laughs> Because I, I can remember opening day at Shea, I was catching in 1984, played the Expos, and uh, Ron Darley was pitching. Pitch, I think we got beat like 10 nothing or something. But Pete Rose was playing for the Expos first base that year. He comes to the plate, and, and somebody threw something. I think it was a grapefruit. Like, went, went right past us, and I, you know, because I'm standing home playing. He's getting in the box. And, you know, I'm going, you got to be kidding me, man. Meanwhile, the, the hotel I stayed at uh, that morning on the way to uh, – to the park I, I go out of the parking lot there's like three or four cars up on blocks people have stole their tires and there's like I'm going, <laughs> where the heck am i man and then i went there and people are throwing stuff and then of course then i and I, I got up to like a one for 15 start so that didn't help things next thing you know it was one for 25 or something like that so it's like so i you know i had never necessarily experienced all the good back slapping and uh but I, I i saw how you know i think that's one of the reasons why that you know, the 86 team will live in infamy, right? You know, they had so many screwballs, but they were so good. But th this group of guys, I mean, they understood how to blow things off, right? You know, they fought amongst themselves. But when they game time, then they, they, they went out there together to win every every stake at night. And then they might fight after the game or something like that. But yeah, they only took it out on the other team or airplanes uh, during travel. Yeah, exactly. Uh, during exactly. that Houston series. But, it, you know, it's interesting because one of the things that I've noticed, and, and I don't know – you know, how much you've necessarily been following because I know you've been traveling and I want to get into your trip in, in, in before we get done here. So I got to bring, bring Met fans because I know you behind the curtain a little bit so they understand just how lovable and nuts you are in a good way. But I, but have <laughs> you seen, have you seen just how overwhelmingly positive the Met fans on Twitter and social media and everywhere that I've seen? I mean, literally to a T across the board positive and excited to have you as the bench coach have what, what does it mean to you that so many met fans are so excited to have you back with the organization 
You know, Case, I really wasn't aware of that, to be honest with you. You know, I, I, you know, I was on Twitter and all that stuff, you know, for my podcast, but I really don't follow it too much. But yeah, that's good to hear. You know, it's uh, maybe they're hoping, hey, you know, finally we drafted him in the first round. Maybe we'll get something out of him finally, you know. <laughs> that's what all these years later. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you think about it, in 1980, the, the Mets had three first round picks. Strawberry was number one in the nation, right? Went on to have a great career. You know, he had a trouble, you know off the field life but billy bean was 20 the third pick he goes right. on to be money baller right and i was the 24th and i become become a coach so i don't know when frank cash was a gm back then would that be considered a success i mean we all stayed baseball or, i i, I think it's i think well it's, certainly your career has been a success but now your met career can be a success coming back in this second variety and helping lead this team to a championship as part of the franchise again right i mean I guess, this, yeah frank knew Cash knew he was drafting a coach in the first round. I don't know. That's I'm just smart, trying to get a Netflix documentary spoke <laughs> for you, Gibby. We're telling the great John Gibbons, the bench coach of the New York Mets. So a familiarity with these players, obviously, and I know because we've been talking about the sport a lot over the last year, even since you've been managing, you're, you're concentrating a lot and watching plenty about what goes on. Clearly, the Mets two years ago, more in the focus with Buck and that group over 100 wins than they were a year ago. But you're well aware of all the Scherzer and the Verlander and all the guys who are out. What's your familiarity uh, with the, the players that are on the team and and give me an idea of your level of excitement of getting to know guys like Pete Alonzo and Francisco Lindor, who obviously competed against a million times in the American league and some of the guys on this roster. Yeah. You, you know, I, I know the names. I know a little bit about them. You know, um, I know all about Pete. You know, every time I turn around, he's on that home run in contest or he's in the finals winning it, you know, uh, Lindor, like you said, I've, I've seen plenty of it. I know how dynamic a player he is in, in the, uh, yeah, it, it is. It's a good core group, and, I, and I've heard nothing but good things about them, you know. And and, the, and they've had success. It's not like they're searching for success. They've had it, right? And then a, a piece here or there, could, you know, could, you never know, brings it back to that 100, 100 win season again. You don't know. You know, it's a tough division now. The Phillies have kind of come on, and Atlanta's doing what they what they're doing. Uh, but you know, it, it everything I've heard, it's it's kind of a it's a tight knit group. You know that that, uh, and that that's important, especially like you were talking about in a town like New York. You know they they got each other's back, and you gotta you gotta hang tough. You know, um, but you know we'll see. I, I still got to learn. I still got to watch them play spring training and get to know them and and uh, to be really in tune with what I need. You know. Now I I know what I need, and that is a little bit of the behind the scenes of you just came back. You were at. Tell me about the trip that you just went on because yeah, you were among Nate. I don't want to say it was like your own personal safari that you were taking uh, over the last few days, but uh, I know your better half is a better photographer than you are and certainly does that and is, is, is as professional as they come and taking pictures of animals. Tell me about the trip that you just went on after you found out that you became the bench coach. Where, you know, when you, win a Super Bowl, when you win a Super Bowl, you go to Disney World. Where did John Gibbons go when he found out he was bench coach of the Mets? Go ahead. Hey, hey, Kevin Costner, who my ass, you know, <laughs> he got, he's got, he went to Yellowstone. that's all fake. That's all, that's all, that's Hollywood, man. This is the real deal. No, you know what? We, uh, yeah, my wife is a, a wildlife photographer, so we went out to Yellowstone, but you know what? We went out there last year for the first time. It was like in May of 22, we ended up going five or six times last year. Right. And then we've already been three times this year. It's kind of our getaway. And then we drive or go down to the Grand Tetons, which is a couple hours away. You know, and, you know, we see moose, grizzlies, buffalo, you, you name it, she shoots it, you know, 
not not shoot you like this, man. Shoot you like this, you know. Are you driving? Can you uh, can, give me? So you're driving down the road and going what, like five miles an hour, and and she's taking pictures. It, it, there's nobody on this road. I mean, give me an idea because you're you're not getting out of the car. This isn't like Jurassic Park with no, dinosaurs. No, you get it. Like what, what's going on there? Oh yeah, you know what? What you do is it depends on what time of year. We we haven't been during the summer. They said sun, summer don't even go because it's like mobbed. You can't even move. But we've been in the in the uh, spring and then the fall and the winter. And yeah, people just you drive along the road, right? And you'll see an animal, but then they get out of the car and they take their pictures if they can. But if there's like bears or something, you, sometimes you have to sit in that car, you know. And the park rangers will show up to get, make sure that the, everybody keeps their distance. But I just drive around, man. We see something. Hey, get out, man! I'll swim. And the, they have these turnouts on each road. I'll go down there, turn around, and keep going back and forth. And, but during the winter, we—I tell you—we were out there last year in January. It was forty below. Yeah, yeah, that's a forty, degree, 40, 40 below. degrees below, like wind chill, below or zero, like legit, legitimate weather below temperature. We below zero. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's below zero. It's like one of the co coldest, if not the probably the coldest place in the U.S. When, on certain days, you know. But you know, then you got these people that go out there with, in the because that time of year, everybody tracks the, the wolves, you know, and they got their scopes because they usually stay too far out. You can't take pictures of. And so we're, we're driving. Actually, the, the coldest day was 42 below. We're driving to the airport to head home through the park. We drove by and all these old people, man, they're sitting on these chairs with these scopes like this, man, up 40 below zero. 40, 40 degrees below zero. I'm not even going outside, let alone driving. Well, around. Yeah, that's what I thought. I mean, are you I nuts? You must get you, your car. Or whatever you drove there or rented a car, like you must have great heating in that car because, like, a 40 below. Oh, yeah, I can't, I, I can't. It's like I'm in Atlanta and it's like 35 degrees, and I've already lost all the New York in me, so I get freezing and everything. And I gotta leave the heat on for 10 well, minutes before I get in the car. Oh, yeah. 40 below zero that's bananas. Well, hey, we weren't getting out there, but these, but these wolf trackers were. It was like, you know, but they're man, they're, they're mountain people out there, you know. But hey, you you, you get a little colder too, man. So you, you're such good shape, you don't have all that excess. Oh, uh, yeah, please, please. Bad on you, man. You stay, I'm stay. I'm a shape. I don't know if I'm in good shape, but I'm a shape. <laughs> Just trying to keep the dad bod at like the, the highest of quality. So what's it? So you got back from your trip. How? What's the schedule like for you? You got a lot of downtime now. A lot of studying. I mean, what do you what do you do to kind Ooh. of prepare to get ready between now and spring training for you? Well, I got to brush up on my math. I will tell you that, man, because, you know, uh, analytics now is like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> actually, I was pretty good in math, but I, you know, basic math. It wasn't, you know, no, no, the, the heavy duty stuff. But, you know, we had some meetings to go because we have some new coaches to go over and meet different people in the organization that, that uh, analytics department, things like that. Um, so we did that this past week. And then, uh, you know, we're going to get together in January, the coaching staff, because there's a bunch of new faces, you know, to kind of go over spring training for a couple of days. And, you know, really, uh, they're really doing things right. You know, and they, they, the little things matter to them and they want everybody to be ready to go and spare no expense. So, but it's a good group, you know, uh, you know, got some guys that have been, you know, uh, uh, Mike Sarbar, who was the third base coach at Cleveland's over there now, you know, he's with Tito for all those years, Francona. Uh, so we, so we got, you know, we got a lot of good guys and some guys have some holdovers that, uh, have been very successful. And, and, uh, so I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be a good year. I, I got to ask you this before I let you run, uh, the Otani situation, he gets $700 million. Uh, we, we know that, yeah, a lot of money and, and all of that, but I got to ask you about your friends up North in Toronto, because these poor Jay fans, who I know you got a great relationship with and they love you. Um, 
it ends up being the guy in Shark Tank that's on the plane and not Otani. The Jays fans think that they're getting Otani and they don't get Otani. Otani goes to the Dodgers for $700 million and Toronto fans kind of heartbroken. What was your watching that from a, how much did you, I think you were on the road in Yellowstone when this happened. Like how much, when did you find out about the Otani thing? And do, do you have any words of encouragement for the Toronto fans who thought they were getting Otani and ended up kind of getting played a little bit in this bidding war with the Dodgers? Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, I'm a little bit shocked that they were in the running that far because, you know, and they were, they so, were, because you know what happened? It, it was, uh, what was he when he first came over five years ago? Was it anyway? You know, I was, I was, uh, I was out in Salt Lake actually, uh, visiting some relatives. My wife's uh, family was out there. And I got a call from Ross Atkins uh, and said, Hey, we're, we're on the, like the final five of Otani's lists. Um, or was it, no, maybe it was a bigger list than that. And he, no, he, yeah. And he said, if, if we make the final five cut, then, then you got to fly to California. I'll meet you out there. We got to meet with Otani and his agent, right? This was four, five, six years ago, whenever he first came over. Turns out we didn't make the cut, you know, of the final five. So I didn't have to go, obviously. Uh, so I'm thinking, well, if he didn't make the final five then, back then, you know, uh, surely he's not going to be not going to be on that. So when, when I'm hearing all these news reports, I'm going, "This is all BS, man. He ain't going there, man. He turned it down." Well, we didn't make the final five back then. Sure enough, you know, I guess, I guess they were in the final two, maybe final two or three in in the. And so I was excited because you know what, he would love it up there, you know, and, and they got the money. They they definitely got the money, but you know. He's probably, you know, a huge Japanese population out on the West Coast, you know, and, and you know, it's tough to beat, you know, that that setup out there with the Dodgers, you know, and, and uh, but seven hundred million, heck, that's more than half of the value of some of these franchises. It's you know, the, 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 the craziest. Give me the stat I keep getting stuck with is if I would have told you you're sitting there managing against Mike Trout, you know he's the best player in the world, and we all know that. And here's a guy in Trout who's making $462 million, right? A huge deal over 12 years. If I would have told you that any player during your life would get almost $300 million more than that person in less than two years, you would have told me I was nuts. I mean, Trout's the best player in the game. Nobody could do what he does. He probably getting underpaid. It's a coup that the Angels kept him. This dude getting almost $300 million more than Mike Trout. And I don't even know that it's not deserved because there's nobody that's bringing the business money that he's bringing. Right. Nobody's bringing the sponsorship he's right. bringing. Nobody that can do what he does. I mean, it, it's it's freakish. But at the same time, what people don't think about is the 70 million and they deferred most of it, which is crazy. They're paying him two million a year for I mean, they're yeah. gonna be paying. Forget the Bania deal. Steve Phillips, our buddy, is off the hook because they're gonna be paying Otani <laughs> until he's like 70 years old. But. The idea of what he makes them for business, people just don't understand. That's what it's about. I mean, he's gonna right. make Dodgers, he gonna make the Dodgers so much of that money back off the field. Forget on it. Oh yeah, right. yeah, yeah. They're not people are people that give out that kind of money. They're not stupid, you know. There's reasons why they they can do that, but but it just shows you though what you were just talking about. They had Trout and him, and they didn't they didn't get in the postseason, right? So it takes it takes a team, and you know the individuals can help put you over the top, but you need more than one or two players to to really get to the promised land, you know, and, and that now he's got that with the Dodgers, right? You know, if, if their pitch is good enough, um, but you know, the, oh, the Dodgers, it. I mean, and it, but you know what though, Casey, Hey, they, you know, 
they get they got as, as much talent more than anybody in, in baseball now they really do but they won one they've won one world championship and that was in that covid year that's so that doesn't even count you know you got to go back to the 70s or 80s probably so you know it's one thing to have all this in, in win but you know the sooner or later you got to win it all don't you think i always view the dodgers kind of like the yankees right you got the resources all all everything you got you know what but it, getting in the playoffs it, you know that doesn't that's so what you're supposed to right especially with the the wild card setups now you know you're supposed See, to win championships that's the good thing about all the time you spent with the jays and now being with the mets again you could still just give the Yankees shit, and all the fans will love you. I mean, that's. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Let's go. <laughs> I I am so pumped for you. You know that, and so oh, excited yeah. to see how all this develops. And enjoy the time between now and when you get out to spring training, and enjoy the time with the family. Careful in the car when you're chasing wolves, and uh, and we'll do this again and catch up as the season goes on, man. I'm really pumped for you, Gibby. Really excited. Hey. And Case, thanks for having me back on, pal. Let's do it. We'll do it again, man. You're the best. And uh, always a pleasure. You know, we I, may, I mean, go ahead. You know, uh, we may hit, we we may hit Yellowstone again one more time before I go to spring training. Got to get my fix, you know, before. It, but it may be unless okay. it's forty All below. Right. I'll send so, you some yeah, pictures. I mean, you, why don't you go? Why don't you go somewhere where you can get a tan? Like go relax and like enjoy yourself somewhere on a beach. You know. I mean, well, come on, man. We talked about you, earlier. You gotta work those abs. You gotta work those abs. You gotta work those abs. These abs and this aren't what they used to be, brother. You try to hide yeah, them. At least you're, yeah, that's, at least you don't have any sores on your Orca. lip you're trying to hide from the camera today. So that's, <laughs> that's there, right. there he is. My, you remember that? Because <laughs> that was from too much sun, man. A fever blister. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> that's, that's what they all say. There he is. Uh, Gibby, you can catch him on the Mets bench. Uh, me on Unfiltered. Everywhere you get your podcast is always presented by our friends at BetOnline. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.